0: Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth, earth
1: has been given to me. Therefore, go and meet
2: disciples of all nations,
0: baptizing them in the name of the Father
1: and the Son and the Holy
0: Spirit, teaching them, them to obey everything I have commanded you.
1: And sure sure I, am I am with, with, with you always, always to the, the very end of, end of the age. age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs, across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper.
2: You know, some places and sometimes, it seems like you need extra strength. I grew up in a time in Northeast Mississippi where just about everybody at least considered themselves to be Christians. Uh, everybody just was like, you know, they expected it, Christian. Now, that was good in some ways, difficult in others, because people assumed things that they were not. Yeah. And But yet, it was not difficult to be strong and courageous and say, I'm a Christian, I'm following Christ. Well, that's not always the truth. There's times and locations where speaking up, and sharing the truth of who Jesus Christ is takes a very and is a very courageous act. I think that's what Paul had in mind for Timothy. This is Burt Harper, by the way, and Nathan Harper. And Nathan in Second Timothy, when Paul was writing, he says, chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Have, have you noticed how many times Paul encouraged Timothy to be strong yeah. and take a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and and what, your often infirmities, your often sicknesses. Or, you know, don't be timid. Don't be timid. Stir up the gift that is in you. Timothy needed that encouragement to be strong and courageous. It reminds me of Joshua. Right before going into the land, Mm -hmm. God appeared to him, said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. It wasn't just for him, but it was for those who would be following him. So I think Paul was saying that to Timothy. Timothy, you need to be strong and courageous, not just for your own walk in Christ, but there are some others that are dependent upon you. Yeah,
1: and I would say even if we find ourselves, which these days you're, you're in a smaller pocket, if you find yourself in a quote-unquote Christian society, a Christian bubble, I guess, in a, in a culture, but... Um, It still requires strength and courage. It it obviously requires the grace that is in Christ Jesus to be able to stand, to be able to live and to walk the way that God's called us to. If we don't think it does, if we think we can coast and skate by and pretty easily, you know, easily done to follow Christ, we don't have a true picture of who Christ is and what he's calling us to do. Because ultimately, we're called to die, die daily, you know, take up our cross called to suffer we're called to really spiritual battle so it's daily going to take strength daily going to take courage daily relying on that grace it's not an easy task you know
2: I, I still find it amazing we've talked about it on this broadcast before some paradoxes that seemingly here it is strong and grace mm. many times we think of somebody being graceful uh, we we don't think they're strong but real grace being demonstrated is real strength. Yeah. And that's, again, that's something that believers and followers of Christ get, that sometimes the world just has no clue of who we are. That's I guess, as the Bible said, they think it's strange that we don't follow after the same excesses that we used to because
1: our lives has been changed. Mm-hmm. We're going yeah. in a different direction, aren't we? Yeah, we're peculiar people. You know? We are. We are. So continuing to look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, you read verse 1. Let me read verse 2. It says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now we've brought this verse up many times on this program, but maybe it's been a while. And, and so we'd like to kind of refresh our memories and our thoughts on, on what this is talking about. So Paul is writing to Timothy. So when he says, What you, Timothy have heard from me, Paul, we're talking about the spread, the multiplication of the gospel from one person to another, but also it's one generation, Paul being generation one to another generation, Timothy. So right there at the beginning of this verse, you have two generations of the transmission, the, the spread, the sharing of the gospel. Another way of saying that is a disciple, Paul making another disciple, Timothy. But he goes on. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. I want to come back to that thought in a second. But then he says, commit to faithful men. There's your third generation, faithful men. Timothy now will pass the gospel on. And when we say pass the gospel, we mean the whole counsel of the word of God. We mean how to live righteously. So what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men. There's your third generation. What do they do? They will be able to teach others. Also, those others are your fourth generation. Now, wow. the point is it continues. It's a disciple-making chain. It's a gospel-sharing chain, and it continues. But by the time you see four generations of disciples making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, by the time you see four generations of disciple-making in a location or in the a, in a middle of a group of people, the gospel then has taken enough root and taken hold where it will continue to spread throughout the rest of that group, through the rest of that location. And it's not depending on Paul anymore as the missionary coming in. It's not even depending on Timothy anymore for future generations. It, You know, the spirit of God, the grace that's found in Christ Jesus will spread. And so, yeah, you have four generations of disciple making. What about that among many witnesses? Yeah. So just a point to make on that. There's many people around us. Some will respond to the gospel, some will not. Who we choose to spend our time with and focus our relational capital, if you will, where we're going to invest our lives, should be those who are responsive to the gospel, to those who are obedient to the teachings of Jesus. Sometimes the many witnesses, those who are looking on and seeing what you're doing and hearing what you're saying, but they're not responsive, they can take up all of our time if we're not careful. And a lot of times I would train pastors even in this to be careful that you're not focusing all your time, uh, the majority of your time on let's say the Sunday morning worship service where you have a large crowd that's important, but it's really not the most important. The most important is the time you're spending one-on-one or with the small group of people who are, that you're discipling and that you're, seeing, being responsive to the the call of God in their lives. Those are the ones who will carry the gospel further. Those are the ones who will make more disciples. Uh, The crowd's not going to do it. You can't make disciples out out of a crowd. It has to be a small group. And so just be careful about where we're investing our time. Jesus did this. He would send the crowds away so he could invest time in the few in the in the disciples,
2: that sounds like the opposite thing of what we've been looked at looking yeah, at.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Well, let me ask you this:
2: Remember where you are? The strength in teaching, it's taught and observed. Mm,
1: yeah, when taught I and caught,
2: yeah, it is. I I've, when you were sharing that, I thought about the men and women who have been a influence, a major influence in my life. I have to think of what they taught me, but what I observed in them is right there in front of me, of them taking their stand. Yeah, a living model. Yes, a living model of that. So when we're talking about this discipleship in a difficult place, hard places where there's not a lot of believers maybe where they it was once strong, but now it's weak, you know, time change. Having had someone to go before you and you observe them is so valuable. And that, isn't that what Jesus did when you're talking about how Jesus would leave and spend time with them? Because he knew Peter was going to stand before 5,000 one day on their day of Pentecost. Yeah, Pentecost. And so that influence of observing and, like you said, taught and caught. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you can get to teach unless there's some observation there. And yeah. do I really want to hear you? Do I want to observe you? Do I want to follow you? And that comes basically from
1: observing and looking, yeah. doesn't it? They do. and they, But they work in tandem as well. And so you mentioned, like, in places, let's let's just say, and this is really broad and generalized, I know there's specific exceptions, but let's just say Europe. How in the past, Europe was, you could call it the center of the Christian movement, and now it's almost one of the darkest places spiritually on earth. How did it go from being the bright spot to the dark spot? How did it go from being sending mission workers out by the thousands to now needing workers to come in well, it's because verse 2 didn't happen, or it stopped happening. One generation sharing the gospel, making disciples with the next generation. And it's got to continue. It's got to be, because you're only one generation away from it stopping. So it's got to be each of us in our own lives looking of who we can share the gospel with, how we can make disciples of others. And the rest of Second Timothy chapter 2 Paul, When we talk about Paul being a living model for Timothy, not just what he's teaching, but how he's living, he gives like eight metaphors of what a follower of Jesus really looks like. But the first three he gives, starting in verse 3, it's a good soldier of Christ, one that suffers, shares in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ. He also gives, in verse 5, an athlete who wins, who wins the race because he competes according to the rules. And then in verse 6, he talks about the hardworking farmer who gets the share of the crops. All right, those, those pictures, a good soldier, a winning athlete, and a hardworking farmer. At the end of this last letter of Paul that we have recorded in 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, he talks about how he he's ready to be poured out as a drink offering. The time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. This is 2 Timothy 4.7. I have fought the good fight like a soldier. I have finished the race like an athlete. I have kept the faith or nurtured the faith like a farmer.
2: I praise the Lord that we will finish our course that God has laid out for us as we hear this interview. We welcome to our exploring missions today, Gwadat. And I'm going to let Gwadat tell his last name.
0: My first name is Gaudet. Gaudet. Yes, and my last name is Mitrios. It's coming from the Greek uh, name in the Bible, Dimitrios. So that's, oh, wow! Uh, yeah, or or Dimitri in in the Russian way. So yeah. it's uh, it's a uh, it's an it's a Coptic name. So it's Mitrios. Gaudet. Yeah.
2: Well, brother, it is good to have you. Uh, we're here at the National Religious Broadcasters Meeting, and I was looking around, and I saw this, and it intrigued me. Uh, We've interviewed people from Asia, Africa, South America, all over. But when I saw who they were ministering to, it got my attention. It was Norway and Sweden. And uh, that, that just got me intrigued because the heritage that European Christianity has is great, but we know it has waned and downward. But here's a ministry still trying to reach that population. But yet, you're not
0: from Norway or Sweden. No, I don't look Norwegian. No, I I wasn't (laughs) going to say anything about that. I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah. I I am actually uh, the first Middle Eastern missionary that came uh, officially from Egypt directly to Norway in
2: 1999. Yeah. Well, how in the world? Tell me about your spiritual journey come into Christ and then God calling you as a missionary and going to Norway and Sweden tell us that journey
0: yes uh, I am a city boy I grew up in Cairo in north of Cairo in a, in an area that is uh, five million people living in it and I am from a Coptic uh, Christian background and when I was 14 years old I got saved and uh... in an evangelical church and then very fast in in my growth with the lord i felt like i'm i'm going to be a missionary but in that time in the eighties like no no egyptians going out to be missionaries somewhere else mainly we received missionaries from from many parts of the world so i didn't understand that very very clear But then uh, I got involved a lot in in, in, uh, theater, uh, Christian theater in the Middle East. And we had the youth ministry there and we have seen many people got saved. And then in 97, uh, God called me to go to America. So uh, I went to youth with a mission in Los Angeles and uh, I stayed there for three years and in that time my family also moved to America that was very automatic that I just going to move to America and stay there but I felt God called me very clearly that you're not going to have roots in America you're just coming for a short time and I'm taking you to somewhere else but where I didn't know and then uh, I had an opportunity to go and help uh, school in Norway I didn't know anything about Norway in that time. I just knew that it was uh, north of Europe, and I ended up actually they called me to north of Norway. So it was like <laughs> on the top of the top of the north of <coughs> I the mean, whole that's continent. Close to
2: the Arctic Circle. You're that getting. was
0: yeah. 200 kilometers after the Arctic Circle. I didn't know. I didn't even know what does it mean the Arctic Circle that time. I'm from the Middle East. I never heard about before. <laughs> so um, basically, when I went there and I prayed a lot and asked God for uh, for. Um, for guidance and uh, it was very hard to get a visa to norway because when i went to the embassy and then they asked me what are you going to do there i said i'm going to be a missionary it's like are you a muslim if you are an imam we can give you a visa right away because we need muslims i was like no i'm not a muslim i'm going to be actually a youth minister like a christian youth minister like we don't need ministry ministers in in norway you know the whole country is is christian how are you going to support yourself i "I don't know god is going to provide for me so the lady thought I was really little, little wacko. <laughs> so she said like, you know, basically a hundred percent, I know that the, the ambassador will say no, but you can apply anyway. So I applied and I said, that's not my problem. It's God's problem. If he doesn't give me the visa, I go back to America and, uh, and eat an IHOP every day and have a, I live a good life. But then uh, for my surprise, the, the, they called me back, they gave me the visa and they told me like, you're the first one from the Middle East to give you like a missionary visa to Norway. When I went there, After two days, I felt, okay, I hit God wrong because uh, everything was kind of strange for me. The food, the people, uh, the weather, it gets darker and darker and and kind of like I I had to go for like a 40 days fast to kind of know, uh, did I really hear God right or wrong? And it was a a tough time. But in that process, I felt God telling me very clear that, you know, this is your home. You're staying here. I'm calling you to this nation. And uh, it was very strange in that time. That was 1999. But... uh, I uh, I never left ever since, and I work with uh, with the youth there as a youth youth pastor for three and four years, and then I got connected to Christian TV. In that time, they didn't have it, but then we started from scratch 2003, and it's uh, basically uh, a TV station that is reaching to the the ethnic people, the Norwegians. Not not uh, they have a lot of missions for the for the for Eastern Europe, but the focus is to preach the gospel every day to the Norwegians and the Swedes. And we start in 2015, another network. Work and it's called Vision Sweden that reach out focusing on the Swedes. So in the, to, at the moment, and I start from a cameraman, I didn't know the language, I have to learn everything and went up from a cameraman to a producer and then to the uh, the producer of all the children TV and I end up uh, actually managing both the channels now. So I'm the head of the broadcast for the both channels. So my existence there is a it's, it's a, a sign of itself because uh, because you coming from outside the country. I I only come with thirty dollars in my in my pocket. I didn't know anyone. Uh, I stayed there for now twenty years, running two stations. Married, have three kids. So it has been a long journey.
2: <laughs> wow, yeah. what a journey from Egypt to Los Angeles and now to Norway. Are yeah. you still? In the northern part, have you? No,
0: after two years, I God you came, had some grace you over so, me, and he came south. south? <laughs> yes, I, now
2: I live one hour away from Oslo. Okay, yeah. can you tell us a little about how the church in Norway is, and is it evangelical? Is it? What, what's happened there is 5 church?
0: million people living in Norway and 10 million people living in Sweden and this nation has been the, 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 the bed for revival for many many generations and in the last hundred years uh, things has been watered down by the liberal theology it's basically Lutheran uh, it has been Lutheran, all you know, for the last right. 400 That's years. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then uh, we have a Pentecostals came on very strong. Somebody came to America, get baptized in the Holy Spirit and came back to Norway and brought the Pentecostal moving to Norway in the last 100 years. And has been a, a movement. Uh, so there is a revival movement in these countries, but uh, that was 50 years ago. The, the 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 challenge now in Norway and Sweden is basically secularism, individualism. Uh, uh, you, you can name it like uh, most of them. I think maybe 70% would call themselves agnostics, and uh, they don't believe in God. They still have a lot of Christian heritage in the language, in the behavior. So they are Christian by. Morals like there is there's some some high values in it, and I see that as coming from the Middle East, I see that the culture itself has a lot of Christian heritage, but people being saved it 's maybe ten percent maximum wow and 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 kids, for example, in the last forty years has been really radically secularized Sweden is worse in that in that matter, and then maybe four percent going to Sunday school. So in, you can say that Scandinavia is a hidden mission field. When you think about mission field, yes, Africa, India, uh, South uh, uh, South America, that's very exotic uh, mission field. But when you when you think where is the hidden mission field today, it's Europe, and where is the really hidden mission field is Scandinavia.
2: Wow. Well, I, this is intriguing to me. I, as I said, I'm like you. I'd, we've interviewed them from Africa, from from Asia, from South America, and all that. But when i saw this norway and sweden i knew enough to know that they had gone they had come from the i mean the christian influence was so great to now secularism has has really done its work well let me ask you this since you said it about them saying if you are a muslim that'll let you in readily has the muslim population in norway been as drastic as like Germany and England is their influence.
0: The, the, it's a very political correct countries, so they cannot they cannot stop uh, the, the the movement of Islam. And in in Sweden, it's much worse. In Sweden, you have around nine percent of the population speaking Arabic so it's kind of it's, it's really coming to a point that it's kind of it's you know a, you know within the next 25-30 years drastic change will happen in society in Norway it's still around 4% and they have all the rights and, but the problem is there is a vacuum in society it's not the the Islam problem it comes in it just uh, it just finds the void and it comes and fills the void so so basically we I see two enemies or two two challenges for the church in, in, in Scandinavia in general first is secularism Uh, socialism uh, and and socialism gospel like in being washed and clothed by socialism and then Islam coming very strong and filling the void and for the church has to stand up using the Bible being effective in saying that the Bible is God's word being true to God's word and preach the gospel and not being afraid because when you do that you'll be called bigot you'll be called uh, conservative uh, uh, racist and, and it's very hard because the whole society that's maybe different also than in America in in scandinavia and in, in norway and sweden you have freedom of expression but you can't say something different than the crowd you have to be one of the sheep and follow the crowd and if you stand for yourself then basically everyone has to beat you up because who are you who you think you are to to become uh, to, to say something for, for yourself so they call it the young law it's with, it, it means like all of us are the same we go in the same direction and because society is taking it to the extreme, there is a void there, but but I see a potential because people like maybe 20 years ago they thought that like capitalism or, or money uh, because these countries became very rich in the last um, 30, years, especially Norway. So they have thought they will be happy, they will be they will be satisfied. But actually, the highest suicide rate in the world is in Sweden and Norway. The highest sickness in in this Scandinavian country is loneliness and 30% of the people living in Norway at the moment they live alone by themselves so there is a, it's a beautiful country beautiful, beautiful people i mean i've seen it's amazing. of the picture but there is a lot of challenges in there but it's inside there but people are hungry when they hear the gospel they they listen and they uh, and and they they value it and uh, and and i believe god is actually calling immigrants to Norway and Sweden to do something different from Iran, from the Middle East, from Africa, especially Africans coming and say this is not only the picture of Christianity, the the, the watered down gospel. We we come from Burundi and this is a way we, we, we live our, our our faith. So it's very exciting time in in Norway and Sweden. That's why in our stations we are doing live broadcasts every single night, three hours every single night, having guests talking about how how did he get saved, why did he get saved, how how God Jesus, Jesus changed your live, 14 live broadcasts every week, seven in Norway and 6 in, in Sweden how does that work do they get it on a cable
2: do they have antenna yeah we we have satellites
0: we have satellites the biggest satellites in scandinavia we cover both stations on it we have digital tv we have cable tv we have webs and apps we are kind of like whatever you try to (laughs) write anything about christianity we are there and we kind of like uh, we are also live when we are live a lot people can call can send messages and in a normal night Around maybe 400 people calling in two and a half hours and asking about uh, prayer or being being saved. So we see people getting saved every week. Every week. Every
2: week. And, and if someone here that's listening to this broadcast and their heart is touched because... Like you said, they think of Africa, South America, even Asia, uh, the 1040 window. Yes. You guys are outside the 1040 window. You're, We're you're way, way up there. there. But yet the need is great. The need is, is great. And, and I know you said the ones from Africa, immigration, coming Christian. What about the Americans coming to, to Norway feeling called as a missionary? Would they be received?
0: Yeah, if they get the right connections. If if God called you for remissions, for, for he will open the doors. And we are we want to facilitate uh for people to come in we in our staff we are 70 employers in the company and and the one who works in TV around uh, around 30 of them and we have 10 different nations from Iran, Albania, Egypt, uh, America, England, uh, Netherlands and we feel that like God is calling us to be to gather the nations and come and serve Scandinavia so we uh, I believe that God is calling uh, missionaries to this part of the world it is tough it is expensive it's much cheaper to go to Africa, so it's expensive to come to the Scandinavia to be a missionary. But if God brought somebody from the north of Cairo with thirty dollars in his pocket <laughs> and bring him to Scandinavia and now and letting him settle there and making him running his stations, he can get somebody from America and live a good life in Scandinavia. When you say Scandinavia, what countries does Scandinavia include? Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and the Faroe Islands. Not oh. Finland. Well, Finland. Tell us about the islands. Faroe islands yeah it's a small islands they yeah. they speak an old norwegian but they are under denmark they're very open to the gospel around forty-five thousand people and way in the ocean i think you have to take a flight one and a half hour and wow. uh, and it's an old norwegian old norwegian language people very open uh, they have a lot of uh, challenge with alcohol and and because it's a rough life it's very rough, it's very, it's very rough island life as well yes. would it not be yes but they are they they are they they have been, it has been several revival among them does
2: the does the broadcast
0: reach them yes we have around half of them in the island following us Is because that right? our broadcast like the satellites covered covered there so we get a lot of response from the faroe islands
2: praise the lord today on exploring missions this it's been one of the I would say the most unusual ones that I've been able to do because I wasn't expecting it. You know, you ex- anybody from Africa, yeah, let's do it. Middle East, yes, South America. But in the Scandinavian country, to see what God is doing there and hearing that is something that's warming our hearts and our lives. And uh, it's, it's just been a blessing to have you here today. And, Thank you so
0: much. We have a strong story, but we are not very good to tell our story to, to, to America. And that's why right. we feel God is calling us now in the last two years and we, in the next five years, like, you know, telling the story about Scandinavia, not just the skiing nations, but how it is a mission nations. Yeah. And we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need to we need you to know the story so to see what God is doing in these countries. Yeah, we need to know more than just the Winter Olympics yes. about <laughs> Norway and their athletes. Yes. You're right. And every time you look at these nations and see the cross on the flags, yeah. you need know that maybe 90% they don't know what the cross means. So we need to re-evangelize these nations again.
2: Uh, our, our yesterday on Explored Missions, Gaudet. What's the last name? Mitrios. Mitrios. I'm going to get it. You know, it's pretty hard for yeah. this old <laughs> Mississippi boy, but talking to someone from Egypt who comes to America and then God takes them to Norway. What a journey, brother. And you've been a blessing. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us on Exploring Missions. And we pray that God would send you to the ends of the earth. And don't be surprised. He might have you in Scandinavia. Again, thank you for listening to Exploring Missions.